0: Welcome to Hog Planet, the podcast where we weigh, tag, and grade the hogs of politics and pop culture. I'm Dan Spaventa, and I'm joined by a hog planeteer today, Um, Jackson Finney. uh, Greetings. Welcome uh, to the podcast. You are now... You're an Esquire. You're a lawyer. So I feel like I have to start the show. I know we're going to talk about we're going to do a commentary on Uncut Gems, a, a movie we, we both love. But I have to ask you first, as a lawyer, what is your take on the George Floyd uh, and Breonna Taylor and all the Black Lives Matter protests going on right now? What is your what is the you know, seeing the seeing what the police departments are doing, like as a legal mind, how does how, how, how does the legal community view this?
1: I mean, from a legal perspective, I don't think there's any way to view it other than sort of a an complete and unqualified failure at pretty much every level. Uh, it's difficult to to reckon with, with something so unbelievably sad and upsetting uh, in a legal capacity because it's just fundamentally lawless. So I hope that the legal community uh, steps up its efforts. Um, Has there but, been an
0: effort for pro bono sort of stuff going on?
1: Yeah, so I think that, that, generally speaking, legal practitioners are, uh, at this point, more conscious, more conscientious of, of doing pro bono work, trying to do more pro bono work. Um, I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket, but... It's what you can do, though. It is what you, as a single legal practitioner, can do. It's one of the things that you can do. It's one of the ways to try and use your, your powers
0: for good. Now... Jack, we talked before uh, about this concept that like cops um, expect us to love them. Now, I want you to compare that as you did before, to uh, how society views lawyers, for example, another uh, profession.
1: Well, it's just interesting to me because one of the gripes that you hear from police officers, particularly during this time, is that people don't like them, don't appreciate them, are being mean to them, are withholding their McMuffins or poisoning them. And you know, as a, as an attorney, I mean, no one has ever said something nice about any lawyer ever, right? Yeah, like, Lawyer
0: jokes is like a thing, right? Right. right. Like, oh, it's what's like a, what's better than a dead lawyer, right? Like, right. Like, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that comes like after knock knock jokes. It's like step two. So, and and you carry on, right? I mean, you don't need these like. You don't need people to be saluting you in football stadiums and saying well, what a great person you are. I mean, it's it's your job and you carry on. So I think it's kind of wimpy that we're expected to live beneath the boot heel of these people and also talk about how much we love them. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that's something I feel they could learn from attorneys is uh, learn how to be hated and I guess do your job anyway.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, where do you stand on, I mean, do do you think the defunding abolition movement, do you think that legally, is this something that, I mean, it seems like it's becoming closer to reality, right? I mean, Minneapolis, they disbanded the the police department, basically. The the city council voted to do that, so.
1: I want to believe that it's a possibility. I'm encouraged by the fact that people have taken this uh, to be frank i'm encouraged by the fact that people have have taken this out of the hands of the law because i'm just not convinced that uh i mean certainly the law frequently doesn't fails to act in in the best interest of american citizens and i just don't think that the law is necessarily equipped or, or the correct tool to do this so while i want to believe that that could be the case uh, I think that direct action is, is probably more real, a more realistic way for it. And it pains me to say that as an attorney because I want to believe in, in what we're doing. But I, I think that's that's just where we stand currently.
0: Well, thank you for that. And let's move on to Uncut Gems because that's why we're here. It's a long movie. This is going to be a long episode. So let's talk a little about the movie before. I mean, what is this movie? Uh, it is a sort of crime thriller a very Jewish crime thriller starring Adam Sandler in probably, like, you know, the best performance of his career. I mean, Jack, uh, what's your relationship with Sandler?
1: Like, oh, well, apart from this, like, Mr. Deeds and Little Nikki. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, you don't know him as this guy who could pull off a performance like this. No. Um, I'm assuming people who are listening to this have seen the movie already, but if you haven't, uh, we're not going to, like, spoil anything yet. So, you know, you're watching with us, so we're going to have some real, real fun here. Um... So, yeah, Sandler, uh, I mean, his performance in this just blows me away, right? Why? Is it the fake teeth? Is it the vulnerability? <laughs> is it just is it just seeing him, like, look soaked weird?
1: I don't know. I think a cool thing about this movie is that I think, I mean, I'm certainly not a film buff, but I think we're typically led to believe that there are a couple actors that are sort of auteurs, um, the Daniel Day Lewis types, the Daniel Day Lewis types, the God rest his soul Philip Seymour Hoffman types, uh That are able to take on this type of role. And to me, I uh, I thought this movie when I first heard about it seemed just totally punk because they took this guy that no one could have believed was capable of doing this, and it turns out he is, and then some. So I mean, it's just a completely fascinating experiment.
0: And were you aware that previous castings before uh, the, the movie got to Sandler uh, involved Jonah Hill and Sasha Baron Cohen, two uh, Jewish actors? But I mean, I, I even like both of them, but it's, I could not see anyone but Sandler in this part. I mean, as Howard Ratner, Howie is like an icon at this point.
1: No, and it's one of those movies that you know, once it it's done and and made and seen, it's just unimaginable that someone else. I mean, it it's it's unimaginable that to me that any of those people were ever ultimately even in front of a camera saying his lines because it's not him.
0: So now let's talk about the directors. The, these two guys, the Softy Brothers. I mean, these are two guys in their thirties. This was their first kind of major movie. I mean, the the names attached are crazy. You have Martin Scorsese is like a EP. You have, uh, you know, Scott Rudin, who's like the biggest producer in Hollywood guy. Um, So, you know, this is like, these guys are like indie guys, but this was like their their big kind of, and they've been working on it for like a decade or more, uh, trying to get it Mm -hmm. made um, with various different people playing uh, the basketball uh, player character as well. Uh, and every time they they had to recast that, um, you know, Amari Stoudmire, Kobe Bryant were attached at certain times.
1: Yeah, I think uh, what I'll I'll come back to again on on this is that uh, to me there is something sort of fundamentally punk about the ethos of the movie, and in a time when we're you know sort of all inundated with seemingly very safe, very repetitive, uh, in Marvel. Just- Marvel, but whether it's in independent, quote unquote, music, uh, whether it's in film, whether it's, you know, in Netflix original shows, uh, there's something to be said for an original IP that is completely batshit insane and just cut through all of the, you know, extant fat And I just think what these guys are doing with this is phenomenal. I want them to make more movies. I hope people keep giving them money. Well,
0: they do have a Showtime series in the works with none other than Nathan Fielder. So that's (laughs) going to be exciting. Yeah, an HGTV sort of spoof. So (laughs) that'll be awesome. And they signed an overall deal with HBO. So these guys are going to be, we'll be seeing much more from the Softy brothers. I think uh, two of their kind of key distinctions from other directors is like, a lot of improv, like a lot of it and, mm. um, and a lot of casting randos like that. They meet on the street. Um, will I'll, I'll mention the ones that I know, like, uh, as we watch, cause I, I've read, I've read a lot about this movie. We're not trying to do the definitive take on uncut gems here. We're just trying to have a fun commentary. Yeah. So I don't know the softy brothers did this movie. Good time. You saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's Rob, Robert Pattinson. It's a very like Queens movie. This is more of a, More of a, like, Manhattan, Long Island Bridge bridge Stroll movie. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, it's Good Times. I mean, but Good Time is a similar thing, right? I mean, it's just complete, like, Mad Libs, and on paper, it it just sounds, frankly, dreadful. And then you watch it, and it's just, like, completely revelatory and super cool.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, one of the Softy brothers plays, like, an autistic man, and he plays it, like, Well. I mean, it's not like cringe. It's not like I am Sam, you know? Yeah,
1: that and him and like Edward Cohen. Like, yeah, it just... I mean, uh, bad
0: <laughs> shit. And oh, that was only because Pattinson saw one of their other movies. And their collaborator, Ronald Bronstein, is uh, like the third Softie brother. He's also crucial to this. I think he does most of the editing. I want to also bring up that movie theaters are uh, not looking like th- this experience of going to the movie theater is going to be normal for a very long time. Uh, Jack, any take on that?
1: Yeah, well, I this was the first movie that I'd seen in theaters in years. And, and it why seems, did you
0: choose to see this in theaters? Because when you told me you did, I was like, Jack never goes to the movies.
1: No, this is definitely like the only movie I've seen in theaters in the last ten years. But uh, I was initially drawn to it because of um, Dan Lapayton, Won a Tricks Point, Never's attachment to it. So he is an experimental musician. He's been active in at least some capacity, I think, since since the mid-2000s. It's interesting to me that his profile has steadily grown, and it has, because now he's sort of the go-to guy for a bunch of this type of stuff. He's been scoring a lot of things, and his profile has really risen. And uh, what's fascinating to me about that um, is that his music is just so weird and it always has been and it still is even when he's doing these bigger projects. This is a
0: studio like film, basically A24 film. I mean, right? So this is like but it still has like his touch of like very experimental music.
1: Totally. And it's so cool to me that someone who has got really serious independent bona fides who has been making what he wants to make and believes in come hell or high water since we were basically kids and is still doing it is i don't know i mean it's like watching the rise of a lynch or something it's like there's a popular surrealist david lynch you mean david lynch um so i I am thrilled to see him getting these types of projects uh i'm uh, been along for the ride for many years and and hope to remain on it and i uh, believe he's from new england and also a big celtics fan so that's a cool tie-in Ooh, with this movie
0: i love that and, and apparently the whole celtics angle was tough for the softies because i think they're Knicks fans because they're like new york boys but um i wanted to also talk about the concept of like how jewish this movie is because I think you um, to ignore that is to, like, ignore the, 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 the movie, almost, like... So, I don't know. The softies uh, have said that they were inspired uh, in writing to uh, treat Howard to this, like... I don't know if you could call it, like, the Job sort of, like, quest. But, like, the, like, learning through suffering. Like, the Jewish concept of learning through suffering. I like how they use Jewish stereotypes almost as, like... You know, they wanted to create, like, a Howard Stern, like, like a real New York kind of guy, you know? And I think they created this iconic character by doing that, and it wasn't through, like, crude stereotypes. It was just by, like, actually, like, doing it.
1: Totally, yeah. And I I think that is part of also Dan LaPayton's uh, background, too. I think, I believe he is Russian-Jewish, uh, or, or at least his, his family is. Um, from my perspective being having gone to protestant church every sunday of my life uh growing up this this movie is cool because it, it's a bit of um it's a bit of cultural voyeurism and while it is obviously a, a lot of fun i also felt like i learned something about what it means to be jewish in america at, at, in the modern age from watching this and in that way i think it's also totally valuable
0: the passover scene when we get to it uh i have some i, I might have some thoughts uh yeah i'm i'm i, I... I'm obvious, I, I mean, I think I've said this on the show, like, 10,000 times, but I am a proud, uh, secular Jew, uh, you know, I grew up reformed, uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess I grew up, like, just worshipping Sandler, like, I, you know, I had a Hebrew school teacher who even said, like, she only allowed her kids to watch Adam Sandler movies, which, like, you know, I don't know if you should be showing your kids, like, Billy Madison when they're like, you know, six years old, just because he's a Jew, but, like, Sandler definitely represented something to, like, jewish people like in the 90s and uh you know beyond i mean now he's kind of like just living uh, living high on his like sort of uh netflix deal and you know makes those grown-ups movies but you know i almost respect him for it because he seems like one of those hollywood guys who just does what the fuck he wants and like you know what he wanted to do this movie and it's one of the great movies of the last decade
1: shout out eight crazy nights
0: oh that's a good ass movie (laughs) shout out whitey eight crazy nights he loved the mall shout out punch drunk love Uh, of course that blue suit pta we love it
1: that's the other one right i think you have to you have to say punch drunk
0: love yes it is like this is his one serious movie a decade quota yeah um also i just think we have to mention this movie was zero oscars i mean the oscars are garbage they did give it to parasite which i was happy about but like how could they ignore this, uh, this amazing achievement in cinema? And here's why. I think they just don't like the Safdie brothers because I don't think they like they follow like union rules and shit all the times. Cause they're so like gorilla about how they make stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they ran afoul of SAG. Yeah, um,
0: just you know, whoever, whatever, just like elite Jeffrey Epstein pals were uh, (laughs) run that shit I mean
1: it's obviously just uh, on its face (laughs) sort of indefensible bullshit that this didn't uh, get a nod for best actor Sandler, at least but if you were running the oscars wouldn't this be precisely the type of thing you'd be excited about here's this sort of art house film that builds a sort of critical mass of consensus and popular acclaim that's actually great and also everyone loves and it's like no we're just gonna completely ignore it i mean it's pathetic
0: yeah and i mean the, do we need to go into the casting or should we just should we just roll it
1: I think we can roll tape, talk about it while as as they come up.
0: Okay, let's do it. Uh, all right, everybody. If you are go- if you are gonna watch along with us, some of you are probably just gonna listen to the podcast, which is cool. But if you are gonna watch along with Uncut Gems, just go on Netflix, cue it up, and uh, I will count us down from five. All right, everybody. We are gonna start right now. In five, four, three, two, one, play.
1: Blast off, baby!
0: Netflix, Uncut Gems. Let's do it. I mean, already that that, that uh, low hum of Daniel Lopatin's music is just setting the tone.
1: He absolutely crushed the soundtrack in this movie. One of my favorite soundtracks in sort of recent memory.
0: What do you think of these title sequences? I mean, just, uh, uh, well, it, we'll get to it, but I really, I could not stop thinking about The Exorcist when I saw the opening scene.
1: Oh, interesting. Why? Because it,
0: similarly, uh, it opens in like uh, the, the Middle East or Egypt or something. And in this movie, uh, as you're about to see, (laughs) um, the movie opens in like a literal like uh, like uh, diamond gem mind, I believe, in Ethiopia. Yep, here we go. Look at these shots, beautiful like overhead shots of just like rocks. This is the opposite of New York City, and it's the same movie.
1: It's interesting, you'd say, The Exorcist. What what it made me think of was the beginning of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh,
0: also, this movie is unabashedly uh, 2012. For some that that, that like <laughs> yeah. very bizarre, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. So so why close encounters? Oh, well,
1: because it opens with a, a similar sort of uh, Ooh, desert, yowza! a sort of desert sequence that's completely different than what you're going to get for the rest of the movie. So here's an,
0: here's an image of like a, a a guy with like with a completely fucked up leg. Um, you know the the diamond trade, the gem trade. I mean, are they are they going to amputate like? The diamond trade and gem trade that, like, you know, people in the diamond district in New York City, like, depend on, there's a lot of violence, and I mean, that comes with a lot of, like, consumption that, uh, you know, endemic to America. Like, there's a lot of violence in how our production, our products are made.
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I really thought about some of the things that are implicated right now and in this movie was, I don't know, Kanye West, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, um,
0: so is that about like the blood diamond yeah. concept? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So what do we see in this, in this part? We see these two fellas, uh, you know, they, they're kind of using this opportunity uh, when everyone is like tending to the guy with the fucked up leg to, uh, you know, I mean, I guess they're looking for yeah, a nice I think gem. That, yeah. You ever get into gems? I never really ha- I never was a gem guy. <laughs>
1: you know. No, but actually, my um, I, I I bought a calming gem for my office. Uh, I like
0: that. I like that. Was it uncut? Was I, it an opal? <laughs>
1: uh, it's blue and it looks like a rock. And I bought it at a street fair. And I think it's what they're actually going for right now. Might be that very one.
0: Wow. Okay. So we got a chisel. We got a f- uh, you know coronavirus. Don't put the flashlight in your mouth, huh? <laughs> this is not social distancing. <laughs>
1: So I don't even know. I don't think it's necessarily diamonds that they're looking for here. Maybe it is.
0: Right. I think it's more just those, like, large, like, opal, like, big rocks, you know, that they can sell. Um, okay, yeah, and we see. Look. God, that, that one 10 tricks point never score. Synthone Talk about it. It's
1: is so beautiful. Yep. I mean, look, Dan LePayton's always had a, a, a way with, with the, the Korgs and Junos and great sort of analog synths from the previous eras of electronic music but uh, I mean to get it to sing like this is uh, it's a talent the guy can talk to machines it's insane
0: and so now we're sort of floating through space like like we we've entered the opal and we're floating through space and where we will exit uh if you haven't seen this movie is pretty funny
1: those scenes where they're traveling through the gems are some of my favorite stuff in this movie. I'm just yep. so beautiful. Title
0: Uncut Gems 2019 No, yeah, 2019. Yep. Yeah. Um, I so. yeah, I, know, I was like, "What year did this come out?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're inside a bodily space, um, a very biological um, You're like, "I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. This, this is this is this is how asshole."
1: And you're like, maybe it's an ear the first time you saw it. That's what I thought it was.
0: It's like, it's such a powerful thing to go from like the the beauty of this like gem that, you know, is really a representative of sort of like greed. Um, And then we were just inside an American guy's asshole.
1: How's your colon doing? Have you ever had a colonoscopy? I actually did have a
0: colonoscopy once and it it went terrific. Um, I was, they put you under those. Oh my God. His cheeks are just like vibrating. I mean, he's at that age though, right? Like Jewish guys, yeah. like you got to get a colonoscopy. All right, the, the prep looks good. I'm happy to hear that. He's well cleaned out, goody, He did, you, did you ever? You've ever done it?
1: No, I've never done it. They Do make we... you
0: drink this like disgusting like liquid that like cleans you out.
1: Do we know if this is Sandler's colon or is this stock <laughs> footage from Getty Images?